I don't like cliches, so I kind of coined my own cliches. There's cliches that goes and they said, if I got one dollar for every, I would have been a rich man. Or if I have one dime for every, I'll be... And I can tell you truthfully that if I received one dollar for every person who came to me and said, I want to know what the will of God is for my life, I think I would have been a rich man. (laughs) People are forever asking, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for me? How can I discern the will of God? How do I know the voice of God when I hear it? And when somebody young in the faith asks such a question, it is understandable. It is incumbent upon us who are more mature in the faith to walk alongside of them and help them how to discern the will of God. But I want to tell you, when somebody who has been walking with the Lord for a long time and they constantly want to know what the will of God for their life is. They want to discern the will of God for their life. There is something wrong about their walk. I want to explain that to you. If I, as a husband, who've been married to my wife for 25 years, if I do not know what comforts her and what discomforts her, if I do not know what discourages her and what encourages her, If I do not know what motivates her and what demotivates her, if I do not know what pleases her and what displeases her, then there's something wrong with my relationship with her. I'll be living with her for 25 years, but I don't really know her. I'm seeing some elbows flying there. but (laughs) Even Freud said, women, who can understand them? (laughs) But that's because I believe Freud was a Freud. (laughs) I think intimacy at any relationship dictates that I get to know that person. It means that he or she is no longer a stranger to me. It means that he or she is no longer an enigma to me. It means that I would know how they think. I would know their desires. I would know the principles by which they operate in life. I would know their value. I would know their character. That I would know what pleases them and what displeases them. And I want to tell you, I know also that this takes time, takes effort, and takes energy, and it takes commitment. And I believe with all my heart, this relates perfectly to knowing, discerning, understanding, and comprehending the will of God in your life and in mine. In the times in my life when I am not able to discern the will of God for me, I always discover after a time, and all the Lord so graciously shows me later on, that the reason I could not discern His will, the reason I could not comprehend His will, is because I was out of His will. Whenever I have had a hard time knowing the mind of God for me. It is because there is something in my life that is out of kilter with His will that is stopping me from knowing Him, hearing Him, and understanding what He wants me to do. Then there are times when I have said to the Lord, Lord, I want to know Your will. Listen carefully, please. But in reality, here's what I was doing. In reality, I really did not want to know it. 
Why did not want to know the will of God? Well, I'm praying sincerely. I want to know it. Deep down, there's something in me did not want to know the will of God because there is a hunch inside of me that tells me that if I found out the will of God, I don't want to know it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to obey it. What I'm really hoping for is that God would change his mind. (laughs) What am I doing at this point? Here's what I'm doing. I'm saying, Lord, give me my will by way of heaven. (laughs) Give me my will by way of your blessing. Lord, let me answer my own prayers. And then, of course, there are people who are always praying for a sign to know the will of God. I'm sure none of you are in this category. You have never prayed for a sign. Now, there's some sincerity in that, and I know people are sincere about asking for a sign, and I believe the Lord knows the sincerity of our hearts, and He answers us accordingly. But I have a suspicion that so many people are always asking for a sign because they want to use that as a divergery tactic to actually doing the will of God. I want to explain that to you. When I tell you a story, you'll understand what, exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there was a praying Christian, a good praying Christian who would wake up every morning and he would say one prayer. And his prayer is this, Lord, give me a sign if you want me to witness to somebody so I know who it is to witness to. Just show me a sign, Lord. And you know what? He's never seen a sign in his life. Until one day he was sitting in a bus. And all of a sudden, a big, burly, frightening-looking man comes in and then sits right next to him. I mean, that scared him half to death. That bus was empty. I mean, all the seats in the world, but this this big guy just comes in and plops himself right next to our praying friend. (laughs) And this timid Christian anxiously was waiting for his stop to come so he can run and go home. But before he could get very nervous about the person who's sitting next to him, This man, this big guy, burst into tears and he began to weep. And then he cried out with a loud voice in the bus. He said, I need to be saved. I am lost. I need the Lord. Won't somebody tell me how to be saved? But that's not all. He turns to our praying friend. And he said, can you show me how to be saved? And what's the sign Seeking Christian would do at that point. He bows his head and starts praying. Lord, is this a sign? (laughs) You know, whenever you run around asking people, you know, I want to know the will of God. Help me to know the will of God. How do I know the will of God? I'm going to tell you, you're going to get into trouble. Because what you're going to get is a collage of advice. And maybe that advice is applicable to the person who is talking to you and not to you. Because God wants to speak to you directly. You're going to get all kinds of advice from wonderfully well-meaning Christians. You know, growing up in my home as a boy, my family had basically two remedies for every ailment under the sun. I mean, it doesn't matter what sickness you have. Take vitamin C and eat garlic. You have a broken leg. Well, eat garlic and take vitamin C. I want to know the will of God in my... Well, eat garlic and take vitamin C. And there are a lot of people who are ready to 
give you all kinds of advice of what God's will for you is, but you are really on the wrong track. There is only one source in which you discover the will of God, and that is in His Word on your knees. I want to get to my text at some point, and I will eventually. But before I get to my text, I want to give you the two brackets that bracket this story. And the story that Jesus tells here is bracketed by two incidents in the context, in the beginning and at the end. This was the very last week in Jesus' earthly ministry before he goes to the cross and hang there and die. He has entered Jerusalem triumphantly. He has cleansed the temple. He has taught with authority. He has declared that only through his death and resurrection there is hope for man's salvation. He has healed the sick. He has raised the dead. And after all of that, the religious leaders of the day come to him and ask him, by what authority do you do all these things? They knew the answer to that. (laughs) They've heard him say it. They've heard him talk about his father. They heard him talk about my father works and I work. They heard him talk about his father all three years. It's not that they were looking for an answer. They're trying to pin him down one more time to accuse him of blasphemy. But you know what? Jesus would not give in to their manipulation. That's what it was. Nothing but manipulation. I think manipulation is disgusting. I think manipulation, it deprives a person of the freedom of choice. I think it's the worst thing that you can do or somebody can do is manipulate another person. And I love the way the Lord Jesus deals with manipulators. (laughs) You know, God gave me a big nose. You saw, I mean, I can smell manipulation coming a thousand miles away. (laughs) I really can. I know they're trying to get me to agree with them or trying to get me to do their agenda, trying to get me to do their thing. I mean, I can see it. And you know what about the Lord Jesus? Listen carefully. He had compassion upon the needy. He had compassion upon those who were ill-informed. He had compassion upon the weak. But when it came to manipulators, he had no time for them. So what did Jesus say to them? Here it is. He said, if you want to get the answer to your question, he said, then answer me a question first. I love that method of debating. The baptism of John, was it of God or of man? He need not say any more after that. I mean, he had them. (laughs) At that point, he trapped them. If they said it's of God, they said, hey, why didn't you believe in him? If they said it's of man, you know what? The crowd would have eaten the lunch. That's a rough translation, but you know the meaning. So he trapped them. He got them. So the response was evasive, to say the least. They try to avoid the question. Because they refuse to believe that Jesus to be their Messiah, they refuse to believe in John the Baptist, who is the announcer of his Messiahship. So Jesus tells them a parable. Now turn with me to my text. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 28. He tells them a parable. He said, what do you think? (laughs) He's on a roll now. There's a man who owned a vineyard. Now, we have seen the man who owned the vineyard in the past several messages. The man who owns the land, no other than the father of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He has two sons. He tells the first one, he said, son, go and work in the vineyard. And the boy said, no. But then he repented and went and worked in the vineyard. 
Then he turned to his second son and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard. And the second son was a charmer, obviously. And he said, yes, sir. But he didn't go. Now Jesus turns the table around and he asks the religious leader, which son has done the will of the Father? Listen carefully. This is the key to this story. The will of the Father. Mark that text. Put a circle around that. Which son has done the will of the Father? This is the point of the story. You cannot know the will of God when you have not responded to His Word. You cannot know the plan of God for your life when you have not obeyed what is revealed in His book in your life. You cannot comprehend the will of God in your life when you have made up your mind not to obey God's clear instructions in His Word. You cannot discern the will of God for you when you are trying to manipulate God, manipulate His Word by living in disobedience. And that's exactly what these people were doing. These religious leaders already knew Jesus' claim to be the Messiah, to be the Deliverer, to be the Savior. They understood His claim to be the Son of God. It is there in the Scripture. And He pointed to them again and again. That Scripture that they memorized, that Scripture that they've read every day, it is there in God's Word. But because they did not live in that Word and only were in a surface level with it, they could not recognize Him as their Messiah. So they kept going around over and over again. I asked the same stupid questions. I thank God the Lord is much more patient than I am. (laughs) When you and I are living in disobedience, when you and I are living in stubbornness, when you and I are wanting to do our thing, when you and I are living contrary to God's standards, when you and I are living a life of Sunday Christians only, when you and I are living a life of hearing but not heeding, you can talk all you want about discerning the will of God, about how to understand the will of God, about what is the will of God in your life, and how do you hear God's voice, and all that stuff. But you will not get very far. I want you to hear me right, please. This is an important message. And I believe the Lord has a different application for each of you. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequences. And when you live by faith, you have an intimacy with the Father... You go in and out of the Father's presence. You are devouring God's Word every single day. And only then will you not be struggling to find out what is the will of God in your life. Now, I don't want you ever to forget that these religious leaders, they were church people. (laughs) They were in the church every time the doors opened. They are good religious folks. (laughs) Repeatedly, Jesus pointed to them the Scripture and what it says concerning Him, but they refused to obey it. As if Jesus is saying to these religious leaders, I want you to stand up because I'm about to draw a portrait of you in that life of that second son. 
This second son who knows all the right words like you. This second son who knows all the right terminology like you. This second son who sings all the songs like you. This second son who dedicates and rededicates every Sunday like you. This Sunday Christian son who's always saying, Yes, Lord, I'll go on Sunday. And by Monday afternoon, he's saying, well, it might be a better idea to send my sister. This Sunday Christian who hands control of his life to the Lord on Sunday. And then by 10.30 a.m. Monday morning, he's full blast at the wheels. This Sunday Christian who is convicted on the Lord's day that they must do things differently. But after a few hours in the rat race, after a few hours in this corporate culture of dog-eat-dog, they found themselves back into lying, manipulating, and scheming. And they say, well, I've got to survive. I've got to survive. I want to tell you something. There's got to be one in charge, either you or him. That's it. There's a story from the days of the horse and buggy. A man and his wife were traveling with that horse and buggy in a very treacherous road, very narrow, dangerous road. And the wife became extremely nervous. And in her fright, she grabbed one of the reins. (laughs) And the husband so calmly handed her the other one. Now, obviously, he's not a type A. (laughs) God bless him. And her too. But when he handed her the other strap, she yelled out and she said, No, 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 no. I don't want them both. I can't drive this animal by myself. Well, he gently said, You must make a choice. It's either you or me. We cannot both drive the same horse. We cannot both drive the same horse. And reluctantly, she handed the strap back to her husband. I want to tell you this. I am absolutely convinced in my mind that as much as God wants us to work hard, as much as God wants us to work diligently, as much as I believe God wants us to work faithfully, but He is telling us that He is the only one who must have the ultimate control. The first son, after bluntly saying no, he repented. And said yes, and then he went. And Jesus likened that to a sinner. The harlots, the tax collectors, the scum of Jewish society, looked upon by the Pharisees. They're the ones, when they repent of their sins, turn and work in the Father's vineyard. But then the second son, he's one of those people who overpromise and never performs. Which son do you identify with? Which son do you identify with? I want to tell you very quickly, just before you answer that, is that neither son were commendable. Both categories were inadequate. And Jesus is telling us that when you know my father intimately, when you know my father's character, when you know my father's heart, When you know my father's way of working, the most natural result of that companionship and that intimacy with my father is that you will do his will. Please hear me right. Daily obedience leads you to discernment in the big things of life, in the big questions of life. 
daily surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ will help you know what to do when you find yourself standing at the big crossroads in life. Just think about it. Think about the Father for a minute. In the our Middle Eastern culture, it is humiliating for the Father to ask His sons to do things. It is expected that the sons who love and adore, who respect their father, it is expected of them to be watching over him, especially when they got older. These boys were the inheritors of the vineyard. They ought to have been watching over the vineyard. They ought to have been watching over their inheritance. They should have been ready to work without the father asking them. They should have known what their father's need of them to do without them having to go to that humiliating experience of asking them. But you see, discerning the will of God comes from habitual, consistent, and persistent fellowship with your heavenly daddy. Whenever I ask the Lord, Lord, what's your will for me? And if I keep asking months after months after months, I'm doing one of two things. Either I'm saying, Lord, I have not been spending adequate time with you. I have not been spending enough time with you. I have not been in fellowship with you in order to be able to discern what is your will in my life. Or... I could be saying, Lord, I think I know your will for me, but somehow I don't like it. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work in these days of of trading cars, you know. (laughs) Can I trade your will for a better one, you know? Now I've spent enough time with people to know that this is how some of the examples of, of I see Some people come to the Lord crying, Lord, get me out of this job. Get me out of this job. Get me out of this job and get me out now. And then they get discouraged when God doesn't answer their prayer. (laughs) But they're not standing in the presence of God or kneeling in the presence of God long enough to probably hear God saying, you know, that's exactly where I want you. (laughs) If I want you somewhere else, I'll open the door somewhere else. Meanwhile, stay where you are. (laughs) There are some people who pray, Lord, get me out of this marriage. Lord, you want me to be happy, don't you? And they can't hear the God to be saying, Oh, my child, my grace is sufficient for you in your marriage. And young people, particularly when they get to 15, 16, and they can't wait to get out of the house, say, God, I want to get out of my home. And they never take time to hear God saying to them, When you are adequately prepared, I will lead you out. But meanwhile, stay home and submit to your parents. And then there are those who cry out saying, Lord, get rid of my boss. Get rid of my supervisor. And they never stay in the presence of God long enough to probably hear him saying, Oh, but you don't understand. The next one is far worse. I just told our new members class a couple of weeks ago when I was speaking to them, I said, how when I begin to sense God to be saying to me to birth this church, which now is the church of the apostles, 
it took me two years to say yes, Lord. And I kept asking the Lord, Lord, are you sure about this? <laughs> Lord, do you understand this is a big move for me? Lord, have you thought about all these things? Have you thought them through? <laughs> Give me a sign. <laughs> Hit me on the head, you know. <laughs> oh, man. I want to give you the other bracket, the other side of the context of this parable. It was two days later after Jesus told this parable that you see him in Gethsemane, sweating blood, praying. You know what? You never hear him praying, Father, reveal your will to me. Show me your will. No. No, no. He prayed for the power of the Father to be given to him in order that he may do the Father's will. Calvary's mandate was revealed to him long before that anguishing night in Gethsemane. I want to tell you something. From the experience of moving from country to country and from various places that God has led us I'm overcome with emotions of the grace of God. That God never takes you somewhere where his grace is not sufficient to sustain you and to empower you to do his will. If that's the desire of your heart. I am overwhelmed of the magnificent things that God has done when we stepped out by faith and obedience. Oh, there are times when you are doing the will of God and you feel the sand papering to be a little tough and maybe some bleeding on the side you can see, you know. And you can't wait to get somewhere where it's a little cushier and a little softer and a little smoother. But you know, when you walk with the Lord, He turns the mountains into valleys. What is the will of God, says the Apostle Paul when he told the Thessalonians, he says, the will of God for you is your sanctification. And the sanctification process is not easy. And it's not as easy as you want it to be or as easy as I want it to be. But it begins with obedience. And obedience is going to take you a long way toward discerning the will of God in your life. So my beloved friends, Are you somewhere where you desperately want to get out of your situation? Are you somewhere where you anxiously are waiting? Stay in the presence of God. Let your prayer be, Lord, empower me to walk in your will. Father, walk with me because I know When you walk with me, you can turn a funeral parade into a victory procession. (laughs) To some of you, this is maybe premature because you really have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, let alone discerning his will and wanting to please him. Let your prayer be, Lord, today I'll commit my life to you. I'll invite you to come in and I'll have the joy of fellowshipping with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Shall we pray? Precious Heavenly Father, we are the most privileged of all of the human race 
Not because of anything in us. Not because we are better than anybody else, Lord. But because of your grace. We are privileged to know the living God. And Father, forgive us the many times that we have taken that privilege for granted. And that we rejoiced in it and, and kept it all to ourselves. And didn't even live in obedience. Forgive us. And Father, I lift up to you anyone in this place who does not know you in a special way. Let today be a day of decision. Let today be a day of calling them into a verdict to return to you because you love them. Whatever, Father, the decision may be, we ask you to bind the enemy that, Father, your voice be heard clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.